0: To claim your special offer, come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Shares for beginners. Phil Muscatello and Finpods are authorised reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation.
2: Different investors do have different philosophies on that. A value investor, a really true blue value investor would say, yeah, always look to buy stocks at a lower price. A momentum investor says strong stocks keep getting stronger, and so they would look to buy stocks that are actually increasing in price. What we've found is combining all of those elements, it really is a good approach.
1: G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today I'm joined by Chris Batchelor from Stockopedia to take a closer look at one of their highest ranking stocks, Macmillan Shakespeare, ASX Code, MMS. G'day, Chris.
2: G'day, Phil. Great to be with you today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for coming on and uh, discussing a particular stock that seems to be ticking
2: a lot of boxes for you. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting company, this one. I'm looking forward to getting into it.
1: So tell us about Macmillan Shakespeare. Apparently, well, they operate across three segments, group remuneration services, asset management services, and plan and support services. Um, what does all that mean?
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, when you read those points, you sort of think, what on earth does that mean? So I'll, I'll run through each of the three key areas and just explain what they are. So asset management services is their biggest contributor to revenue, although not their biggest contributor to profit. And what that means, there's two components to it. One is your typical vehicle fleet management system. So big companies or government utilities, those types of businesses have big fleets of vehicles. So Macmillan Shakespeare manage those vehicles, they source them, they look after all the servicing, et cetera, et cetera, and then they sell them at the end of their life. The the other component is what they call asset finance aggregator. And so what that means is they have access to a large panel of lenders and then on the other side, a lot of uh, finance brokers come to them when they need to source a loan for a client and they match the two up and, and find the best deal for that finance broker. So that's also um, the other aspect to that asset management. Now moving on to the uh, group remuneration services, what that means... Um, basically, there's two components to its salary packaging, and novated vehicle leasing. So that's where the average person, an employee of a company, wants to uh, lease a vehicle, and so they'll organise all of that for that person. Often, small businesses as well as larger businesses will offer a vehicle as part of the salary package for their employees. So the last segment is what they call plan and support services. Now. This basically comes down to the NDIS, or National Disability Insurance Scheme. People who are involved or recipients of the NDIS, they're divided into two groups. One, what's called self-managed, and the other is where they need to have a plan manager for them. And there's 573,000 people at the moment receiving NDIS support, and about 58% of those people actually require plan management. So as you can imagine, these are people that have various challenges and and disabilities, and so they need someone to help them manage their access to this financial support. Macmillan Shakespeare provide that service. Now, it's a very fragmented market. Lots and lots of people are providing a similar service. They've managed to get to 5.1% market share, which makes them the second largest provider in that space, but at the moment it's still only a very small component of their overall revenue at about 8%, but it is growing.
1: So one of the things that we hear about companies is that they identify a problem and then provide a solution. What do you think the solution is that they're providing? What's the hole that they're
2: plugging? Vehicle leasing is, is the main component of their business. And that's been obviously a service that's been around for a long time, but it provides companies in particular with the ability to give their staff something different in terms of packaging up their salaries. And vehicle leasing tends to be quite an effective way to purchase a vehicle. Uh, So a lot of people are attracted to that just from the financial incentive perspective. And also, of course, with the big companies, they need to manage a big fleet of vehicles, but that's not their core expertise. They don't want to be doing that themselves. So they outsource that to a company like Macmillan Shakespeare. So tell us about the sector.
1: What is the sector that, that the company operates in and what's the market cap?
2: market cap of this business is 1.2 billion so it is a significant business although it may surprise listeners to know that that is actually still classified as a small company what i would explain here is i'd probably go into the, ve- the whole vehicle leasing market because that's really the key component to what they do they come at it from a couple of different angles but that's really the you know the crunch of it that has been an an interesting component. I'll assume most listeners have a a rough idea of what vehicle leasing involves, but it's been witness to some unusual effects over the recent years. Firstly, Australian new car sales have actually been in decline for quite a few years. And that's been a trend we've witnessed as more and more people either don't have an interest in having a vehicle or only have one vehicle per family. My son, 17, has no interest whatsoever in getting his driver's license. (laughs) That seems to be the way of the younger people. But what we witnessed in the last 12 months is that actually turned around. Now, what we don't know is, is this just a short-term pickup or is it indicative of a longer-term change? Obviously, COVID did bring around some changes with vehicle ownership. A lot of people you know, were frightened of going on public transport for a period of time there. A lot of people moved to regional areas where, of course, a car is more important and more of a necessity in those areas. So we have seen an uptick in new vehicle sales. So it'll be interesting to see whether that plays out as a longer term trend. The other thing that occurred largely as a result of the pandemic was used vehicle prices went somewhat crazy. And we started to see the situation, and we're still seeing it today, where used vehicle prices are much higher. They're actually at record levels than what we would expect. And there's two factors in that. One is that at the start of the pandemic, new vehicle production simply either ceased or really got cut back. And now that we're about three years on from that, all of those vehicles that would have been coming onto the second-hand market, they're not around. And so there's a lot more pressure for people to you wanting to buy a used vehicle. There's just not that many of them around, and the other aspect, of course, was that with that cutback in production of new vehicles, a lot of people you, you had long, long waiting times. And so, if, if someone wanted a vehicle quickly, they just went to the used vehicle market. It was simply a, a better, a quicker way to get one. So that started to taper off, but it's still very high, and it will take some time before those prices come down. Now, the other aspect is a, a government based one. And and what we find with the vehicle leasing industry and and salary packaging in general is that there is a lot of um, what I call regulatory risk. So a lot of these structures depend on tax laws. And of course, tax laws can change at the whim of the government in power at at the day. And so right now, that's working in the favour of the vehicle leasing uh, companies From the point of view of electric vehicles, the government has put in place a scheme to make it far more attractive to lease an electric or low-emission vehicle when compared to a regular um, internal combustion vehicle. And so we're seeing a really strong pickup in demand for these EVs. You're probably noticing it around you. as more and more EVs on the road. And in particular, if you're leasing an EV, what it works out, if you wanted to lease, uh, say, a... $40,000 $40,000 Mazda, where well, you could actually lease a $66,000 Tesla 3 for the same annual outgoings. And so that has made that vehicle suddenly, and, and similar vehicles to it, suddenly very attractive from a financial perspective. So we're seeing a big uptake, literally more than double in the last quarter in terms of the order intake for those types of vehicles that's the the sectors that they're operating in and and the trends that are really impacting them at the moment. So tell us about how Stockopedia
1: identified this company last December.
2: Yeah, okay. So so what we do at Stockopedia is, is we have a very automated process to our stock selection. Our tool is a very quantitatively driven tool, which means that basically we process lots and lots of numbers and we look for trends within those numbers to try and identify which are the the companies with the most attractive prospects. And so what we did at the start of the year, we put together a portfolio, we call it the NAPS portfolio, which stands for no admin portfolio system. Basically, it's a set and forget type of portfolio. So we set it up literally on the first day of the year, and then we don't touch it until the end of the year where we'll uh, review it and, and readjust it. And so what we do to identify the stocks for that portfolio is we went through all the stocks in our system, which is every stock on the ASX and the NZX, and identified which ones have the highest scores. Then we just apply a couple of fairly elementary screens. One is to make sure there's enough liquidity in the stock And the other really important one is to make sure that we have diversification. There's 10 key sectors across the market. We picked 20 stocks, two from each sector, except we only took one telco and one utility and we added in real estate trusts. So from that, in the financial sector, Macmillan Shakespeare was one of the top two stocks that came up there in terms of its score. It had an overall score of 98. And so we then... Chose that. Pretty simple really. We chose that for our portfolio based on that high score and have been tracking it ever since.
1: Start taking your investing seriously and elevate your research with Stockopedia. Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a $125 discount on the first year of membership. That's a saving of over 25%. Stockopedia are committed to your education so you're not alone when navigating the market. Their local research team are there to guide and direct you. Over 15,000 investors globally, just like you, have already unlocked the power of Stockopedia. Go to stockopedia.com.au slash SFB for your free trial and special discount offer. Start making data-driven decisions today at Stockopedia. Stockopedia Limited is an authorized rep of Daylight Financial Group Proprietary Ltd, AFSL number 521404. This information is not intended to constitute advice. Read the FSG on the Stockopedia website for more detail. Can I just dig a little bit deeper in there? So you're taking these numbers from the company report, aren't they? There's no magic about this. This is just the numbers that are published when they release their half yearly or yearly reports. That's the case?
2: That is the case. The magic comes in terms of how we then process those numbers. So what we do is we use what's called factor investing and we look for key factors. Now, there's three key factors that have been shown historically to drive share prices. They are the quality of a company, the value of a company, and momentum. And so we, we calculate ranks across those three aspects, quality, value, and momentum. And then we calculate an overall stock rank, which basically looks at the scores for each of those and combines them to come up with uh, an overall score. So I, I mentioned that back in December, Macmillan Shakespeare had an overall score of 98, but the components of that were a quality rank of 97, a momentum rank of 99, but a value rank of 80, right? So that value rank 80 is still very good. That means it's in the top 20% of the market, but obviously it's not you know, 98, 99 sort of area. But overall... A score of 98 simply means that it's in the top 2% of stocks on the market, taking those three factors into account. And arriving at each of those factors, there's about six ratios roughly that go into each of those components. And so we're calculating all of that every day. The quality is based on the financial statements, so that's, that comes out every six months. But value and momentum, they change each day with the share price and also based on forecasts from market analysts. So tell us,
1: what's happened to the price of the stock since?
2: Well, it's been a real standout. It's gone up 34%. We, when we uh, added it to the portfolio, it was, which, by the way, is a hypothetical portfolio, it was $13.44. It's currently over $18, I think 18 28. Yes, 1828 at yesterday's close. So it's really performed strongly. And then on top of that, you've got a really good dividend, which it just for the half year would have earned you 6.15% in grossed up. So grossed up includes franking credits. So that, that's you know, an outstanding result of over 40% return in just over six months. And um, you've
1: um, put together another portfolio on the 1st of July, and it's still there as a buy.
2: That's right. Yeah, we thought it would be an interesting exercise to uh, run the same style of portfolio at the start of the financial year. And so, yeah, went through the same process. And again, Macmillan Shakespeare came up as one of the top two financial stocks. So, yeah, in a portfolio that we've set up on 1st of July, it's also in that. So, yeah, it's still ticking all the boxes.
1: Yeah, it's interesting for me, having come from a a non-financial background, that um, intuitively you think you should be buying companies that are dropping in price and getting a bargain. But in fact, it's often the case where you do better with companies that are showing strength.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting point. And different investors do have different philosophies on that. A value investor, a really true blue value investor would say, yeah, always look to buy stocks at a lower price. A momentum investor says strong stocks keep getting stronger and so they would look to buy stocks that are actually increasing in price. What we've found is combining all of those elements really is a good approach. It's not for everyone and some people will prefer to stick to a value strategy. But overall, if you don't want to sort of take the burden of having to process all that information yourself, then, then this provides you with diversity. And what we find in markets is that Value strategies perform really well at certain times, and then momentum strategies perform well at other times. So combining them tends to even out those highs and lows. What we've found, looking at it, as you might expect, with the price having gone up over the last six months, yes, the value rank has come down. You know, I mentioned it was 80 back at December, or it's now 74. Seventy-four is still very respectable. That's top twenty-six percent, but of course it is dipping, and that's for the obvious reason that as price goes up, value comes down. But value doesn't necessarily come down in a linear fashion because uh, forecasts may also be rising, and in this case they are. So that means that you know your value uh, metrics are, are declining because of the strength in the price, but they're not declining just on a linear. Uh, scale because the the forecasts are also going up and, and the expectations for profits, et cetera, are going up. So, what are you keeping an eye
1: on that could affect the business model?
2: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things with this company and with companies of this nature that you need to be really aware yeah, there's of. There's always a downside,
1: isn't there? Yeah, that, that's it.
2: <laughs> or the possibility of a downside. <laughs> that's right. I mean, if it was all best laid plans. But as I mentioned a, a bit earlier, one of the keys with these types of business is a lot of their success hinges on government policy. Now, right now, you know, I talked about that favorable tailwind where the, the current Labor government have implemented these policies to make EVs really attractive. For those of us who can remember the election of 2019, the Labor Party, who were in opposition at the time, were proposing certain policies around salary packaging that would have been really detrimental to Macmillan Shakespeare and these types of companies. And so a lot of those companies sold off at that point in time because they it was going to become much less attractive to do salary packaging and, and leasing of vehicles. Now, of course, Labor didn't win that particular election, and so you know they, they didn't have to uh, deal with that issue. But that's the thing. You've got to be awake to regulatory risk. Now, right now, I mentioned they've got this strong and growing uh, part of their business that supports people accessing the NDIS. That's great. But as anyone who watches the news knows, the NDIS budget is really growing at an unsustainable rate. And so there's all these reviews and so forth looking at how can they rein in this um, NDIS budget, which is getting out of control. And so you can expect that there will be significant changes in the coming years to how NDIS is managed. And we, we don't know what those changes will be at this point in time, but that will have some impact, no doubt, on their business. And it, it may not be a positive uh, impact. So, something to be aware of. A couple of other things that I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on. You know, we, we talk about growth. Obviously, we're looking for revenue growth and earnings growth, they are happening. But you would call them steady, not exceptional. It, it's not growing at a strong rate. So when you see the share price growing at a really strong rate, but revenues not growing as strong and, and profits not growing as strong, you have to ask some questions about, okay, uh, is it getting ahead of itself? I don't think it is just yet, but I, I'm just conscious of that. It's not a high growth business in terms of uh, revenue. And the other thing that I'm also conscious of is the debt levels. I'm pretty conservative in my approach to investing, so I look for companies with low debt levels. This company has a, a net gearing of 83%. On the face of it, you would say that is quite high, but then you also need to dig into uh, understanding the nature of that debt. And then in, in the case of this company, type of company a lot of that debt would be secured debt so it's secured against uh, you know the vehicles that they're leasing so they're not necessarily highly exposed in terms of their, their their debt despite the fact that they have a lot on their balance sheet but again something to keep a close eye on so yeah th- those three factors are things you really want to be cognizant of if you're considering an investment in macmillan shakespeare
1: so how can listeners find out more about stockopedia chris
2: we do have a special offer for listeners of Shares for Beginners. You can go to our website, y.stockopedia.com forward slash sfb, and there's heaps of information on the website there, all about our ranking system, how it works, why it works. There's videos as well that people can watch to, to get some good uh, insights into how, how we operate. And we do have a special offer for listeners of Shares for Beginners, and that is 25% off or $125 off at this point in time. So yeah, I encourage you to have a look at that and see if it's if it's a tool for you. It's really good if you're a DIY type of investor because it gives you the tools. We don't give you recommendations. We're not saying buy this, sell that. But what we are doing is giving you tools to make it easy for you to understand what is driving this share price? Is this company really powering ahead based purely on momentum or is it a really great value stock? What's the quality of the business like? Is it a high-quality business or is it a low-quality business that's experiencing you know, some moment in the sun for various reasons? So it's really helpful to understand things and, and you can do that, I won't say at a glance, but fairly quickly. That's great,
1: Chris. And I believe that offer ends on July 31?
2: That's correct, yeah. So do get along if you're looking to take advantage of that. Chris Batchelor, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks, Phil. It was a pleasure to talk to you and your listeners.
0: Thanks for
1: listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future.